Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for the DMS webinar, Cayman Economic Substance and the latest updates for fund managers in Asia. Thank you, everyone, for waiting. Over to my colleague, Lukman Hamdani. Thank you, Ali. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining our webinar this morning. My name is Lukman Hamdani, an Associate Director with DMS Governance Space in Hong Kong. Today, we'll be discussing the latest updates and necessary actions regarding the Cayman Islands economic substance. On our panel speakers today, we are delighted to have Nao Dao from our Cayman office and Connie from our Singapore office. Nao is an executive director based in the Cayman Islands and heads our Cayman Economic Substance Department. He has extensive experience in advising and overseeing the establishment of substance for investment managers. Connie is our, is our executive director based in our Singapore office, serving on boards of broad range of Asia-based hedge funds, private equities, and venture capital funds with varying investment strategies across multiple jurisdictions. Both Nao and Connie have extensive experience in assisting investment managers in Hong Kong and rest of Asia. For those who don't know, DMS Governance is a worldwide leader in governance, risk, and compliance. For 20 years, DMS has delivered high-quality professional services to a diverse range of investment fund strategies and structures, and is proud to be the leading independent provider of fund governance and directorship, backend CRS, AML, AFM and UCS Management Company, and MIFID Services to many of the largest institutional investors and asset managers globally, with assets under a service exceeding 350 billion US dollars. I'll pass the mic over now to start us off. Thank you, Lukman. Hi, all. Thank you for taking the time to attend our Economic Substance webinar today. As we are now through a full year of economic substance in Cayman, we thought it would be beneficial to recap on the economic substance law and some of the key items to note. Given, given we have received a number of questions, I will provide a short update followed by the questions that you submitted while registering for the webinar. If any questions come to mind during the webinar, do not hesitate to reach out over phone or email after the presentation. If you have a Cayman investment management entity, you'll have likely heard from your registered office regarding the filing of the economic substance notification and the annual declaration. This notification and annual declaration are relatively straightforward and is a precursor to the economic substance return. The economic substance return is a detailed form which will need to be filed within 12 months after the last day of a relevant entity's financial year. For the majority of entities, the first return will be due by the end of 2021, assuming a 31st December year end. The Department of International Tax Compliance, which is abbreviated to the DITC, has published a sample of the return and the information required on their website. The authority will be looking for details on revenue generated within Cayman, for example, through management and performance fees, and the operational expenditure incurred within Cayman discharging the core income generating activities. A copy of the entity's annual accounts must also accompany the return. This can simply be an income statement and balance sheet. Onshore advisors should familiarize themselves with the content of the economic substance return and what information will be required. We've received a number of inquiries from advisors who have not implemented an ES solution and now wondering what can be done. And this is a tough question to answer. I'm not sure will there be any leniency. It will certainly be noted that travel to Cayman for board meetings was restricted due to COVID. However, there was a long period to implement a solution to satisfy the ESL. Even with travel restricted, conducting board meetings is only one element and ongoing mind and matter should be shown to be taking place within Cayman. For those who did not satisfy the ES test, they will need to disclose this in their economic substance return and the fines for non-compliance in year one are 10,000 
CI, Cayman Islands dollars, which is 12,000 US dollars. This increases to 120,000 in year two. For serious breaches, the authority can also petition to seize control of the entity and the assets. The authority will look at a number of items when determining whether an entity has passed the ES test. For example, if a typical equity long short fund incurs no real expenditure via the annual registration and registered office fees, it would be quite evident versus a similar fund who has incurred operational expenditure and a complete SEGA within Cayman. Directors should also note that there is an administrative fines regime whereby the regulator can levy fines for each occurrence of a breach within the amount depending on the severity of the breach. Uh, I would also point out at this time that each of the directors uh, should file and pay their annual SEMA fees, and this deadline is the 15th of December. So that, that is worth bearing in mind also. Um, I think we've received a number of questions, and I, and I believe my, col my colleague Connie is going to uh, run through the most frequently asked questions. Thanks, Niall, and, and good morning, everyone. My name is Connie, so thank you all again for joining our webinar today. Uh, as Niall mentioned, we, we have a number of questions that we have here. I guess the first question I have, and I also often get asked as well, is with all the UES requirements, what, what are the main reasons people maintain their Cayman presence now? Yeah, good question. Um, there are two key aspects here. Firstly, as, as a fund domicile, Cayman is well known in an established jurisdiction. Cayman still remains more cost effective and benefits from a well-known legal system as a British overseas territory. As a result, it, it is an easier to market jurisdiction from a fund perspective. From a Cayman investment manager perspective, the implementation of the economic substance law has increased the cost of compliance. We have seen a number of lower AUM entities close their Cayman manager. However, if an entity has sufficient AUM, there remain significant tax benefits from maintaining the Cayman manager in place. Mm. And, and now I know in our last few years webinars, you, you have walked us through uh, some of the exemptions and perhaps you can also remind us again who is exempt from yes. Yeah, perfectly. So there's uh, exempted limited partnerships or ELPs um, are out of scope. Investment funds are out of scope and also entities that are tax resident outside of the Cayman and are taxable on all of their Cayman in income. So if you declare all your revenue and, and you're a tax resident, let's say in Hong Kong, mainland China, Singapore, um, and you file all your relevant income there onshore, then you'll be exempt from the economic substance law. And, and since you mentioned uh, on the exempt limited partnerships, I have heard that limited partnership will be brought in scope for economic substance. So how will this impact to uh, Cayman GP and, and, and LP structure? Yeah, uh, that, that has been quite topical lately. And while LPs currently fall out of scope, it will not impact investment funds with the GPLP structure. So funds will continue to remain out of scope from, from, from economic substance law. Okay, that, that, that's good to hear, especially a lot of the managers here, I know um, they, they have a, a, a fair bit of the GPLP structure, so that, that's a good news to the managers here. Um, yep. I know you briefly touched on uh, the notification and return earlier on, so uh, maybe perhaps you can share a bit more, what, what are the key filing days um, the manager need to be aware of? 
Yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned, that that each each director should uh, renew their annual directorship fee for the coming year, and that is due by the end uh, of this week or the fifteenth of January, um, and that can be done online on the SEMA portal. Um, then, with regards to economic substance, there's the annual declaration, which is due by the fifteenth of January. Um, this is a relatively straightforward uh, form, and which should be filed by the registered office. Uh, you may also need input from the directors or, or the investment manager on, on, on the content of that form, but that's due to be filed by the 15th of January. Okay. Secondly, there's the economic substance notification, uh, which needs to be filed in advance of the ES return, and this is due by the 31st of M March. And then the ES return needs to be filed within 12 months of the entity's financial year. So. Uh, many many entities will have a, a December year end, so you will have 12 months uh, from that date to file the economic substance return, and that will be filed on the the DITC or tax portal. Um, they have also released guidance notes on how to proceed with the filing, and the sample return of of what you can expect to be included is also available online. So it is worth checking. Okay, that, that's good. And the next question I'm sure a lot of the managers, including myself, would like to know is, has the regulator uh, issued any fines yet? Uh, no, no fines have been issued as of yet. However, it, it's mainly due to the first reporting period uh, being the end of February 2021, and that was for early adopters or 2019 launches, let's say. Uh, the Cayman authorities have greatly increased their inspection teams and currently completing AML inspections on a wide number of investment management entities. Uh, typically, the IM entities are seen as higher risk than a fund, as usually a fund, a fund administrator is engaged on completing the daily screening of the investor base at a fund level. Uh, I've seen the requests for such inspections, and it is very detailed and time-consuming time process. Uh, I would note that the AM element is, is separate to that of the fund and manager entities will need to ensure their own processes, registers, logs, etc. are maintained along with proof of annual training. But with regards to economic substance law, as we're really just coming to the, 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 the first bulk filing deadline, um, that is, is, is when the, uh, the authorities here will begin reviewing the submissions and returns. And after that point, I, I would expect to see fines uh, in the future. Okay, and 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 the, the next question is quite interesting, and and I think it's good for you to to also uh, share your thought and also your experience. So this question is: the manager they have a Cayman based director, and will this satisfy the ES test? Um, it it is expected that the board will have majority and quorum within Cayman, so I, the decision making is taking place there. The most typical board composition would be one investment advisor director and two Cayman-based directors. Uh, whether the directors alone can satisfy the SEGA or the core income generating activities depends. If, for example, you have a private equity fund, then it could be seen that the directors can discharge the SEGA. If they have discretion on making investment decisions, the buying and selling of holdings, there may be only 10 to 12 holdings over the life of the PE fund. So typically, the directors are very involved in each aspect of the fund management. You know, Having payment directors alone on an equity long short fund, for example, would be a very difficult argument with the authority to show that they discharge all elements of SEGA. Okay, that, that, that's good. And, and, and the next one, the, the manager also commented that um, they, they have seen the DMS economic substance brochure. And do, do you mind also provide an overview 
of each of the elements? Uh, certainly, uh, we designed the, the economic substance economic substance solution to mirror that of the core income generating activities. So these are being directed and managed in the Cayman Islands by provision of directors, independent risk reporting, looking at VAR stress tests, stress tests, concentration limits, liquidity, leverage, and any offering memorandum restrictions which have been imposed. The third and fourth elements I grouped together as FX hedging, be it at a portfolio or share class level, and portfolio management and ongoing oversight. We work with the advisors and conduct periodic meetings with the advisor coupled with the detailed risk reporting to ensure that the portfolio is being managed to its stated objectives and agreed terms. Okay, good. Um, perfect. So, so uh, as we speak, we, we were also getting a quite a, a bit of questions, and I'm cautious at the timing. So we're trying to keep this webinar short and sweet. So, so I will just pick the last three questions uh, from the floor, and of course, as usual, we will be addressing the remaining questions individually uh, after the webinar. Um, so, so the lucky first one, I think, the how many CBO or, or IM entities have closed uh, since the implementation of ES law? Thanks. Yeah, I, I don't have the exact figures, uh, but I have certainly seen some of the smaller entities restructure. Uh, each advisor will need, and as all of them that I've spoken to will need, I've advised to, to complete a cost-benefit analysis to determine whether it makes financial sense to comply with the ES law. That is, if the tax savings of having the Cayman manager outweighs the cost of restructuring and having all revenue taxable onshore. For some clients, it makes sense to close. We have seen a number of large institutional clients, however, launch new management entities this year or engage DMS Market Access Cayman, which is or civil entity in-house, to provide Manco solutions similar to that of Europe. For managers who are looking to launch with you know, 10 to 20 million, it likely won't make financial sense to create a Cayman manager if the AUM is expected to stay at that level. But if AUM is expected to grow to, say, 50 million plus, uh, then there is merit in establishing a Cayman manager or joining an established platform like DMS Market Access Cayman. Okay. Th thanks, Niall. And I, I guess well, for a lot of the managers, it will be beneficial for you guys to also do a cost and benefit analysis. And that could come to what uh, Niall just commented. Um, so, so the second one, which is... Um, <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's, are there any other changes or new regulations um, to be aware of? I know over the last, uh, the recent years, there have been a lot of changes in Cayman. So now, have you, uh, are there any changes that, that, that you, you're aware of? Uh, no, so as touched on above, there is the inclusion of limited partnerships. However, this will not impact the investment funds. And we certainly have seen increased regulation over the last 10 years and, and since the last global financial crisis. Uh, however, there are no drastic changes on the horizon. Cayman had, has, has really advanced over the years and has high standards mirroring that of what we see in the likes of Europe at the moment. But uh, at the moment, the, the, there's no material changes or, or items to, to note. Okay, this is a good news. This is a good news and, and, and good to hear. And, and last but not the least, um, this manager, they, they, they have heard of using a BVI-based manager to a Cayman fund. Um, so can you provide some further details uh, uh, of that? Yeah, I, I have come across this before and, it, you know, once or twice. Um, and it is possible to have a BVI-based investment manager to a Cayman fund. Uh, but I would note that BVI also falls under the economic substance law, 
and the requirements to be directed and managed, including discharging of SEGA, is similar to that of Cayman. Um, also, from a marketing perspective, uh, Cayman, while the fund may be a Cayman fund, a BVI manager isn't as well known or as respected, perhaps, as a, as a Cayman-based investment management entity. Um, it's, it's currently thought that an approved manager may fall out in BVI, may fall outside of the scope of the economic substance law although there's no specific government guidance on this. And ultimately, it could be seen as an avoidance or circumvention measure for economic substance law. So it has not also been tested in the courts, so it could prove to be an expensive establishment to have it restructured in a short period of time. Okay, thank you, Niall. And and I I, I guess um, we, we did get a chance to to address all the questions we have here uh, while we we are getting uh, during the, the the webinar. So I guess um, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're happy to to reach out to the to the um, uh, managers who we didn't get a chance to address here um, uh, after the webinar. And I'm going to hand over to Lukman, uh, perhaps to 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 give the closing. Thanks, Niall and Connie, for the detailed explanation and insight. It was very helpful. We'll be circulating a recording of this webinar shortly and are happy to address any questions you have. Have a safe day ahead. Thank you.